Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. I am God's workmanship, created for good works, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Today, I open up my mind to receive the Word of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Let's lift up holy hands, say it with me. So I can elevate my life in Jesus' name. Amen? Come on, y'all ready today? I've got some major key alerts. I said I've got some major key alerts. My son's down here shaking his head. That must mean you like it, son. Okay. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. It's not your mama's church. Talking about keys of the kingdom. You see, when we think about pillars, these things that are behind me are just an image of really pillars or foundations that God wants us to establish in our lives as kingdom people. I want to read from Luke, the 12th chapter. And I love the word of God. Everybody say, I love the word. And you're going to find out why you love the word so much today. Then he said to his disciples, this is Jesus. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. How many of you just find yourself at times worrying about your life? Come on, be honest with me. It's like, do not, Jesus said, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. What you eat, nor about your body, what you put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither snow, sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Somebody put an amen on that. And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubic to his stature? Now, we don't even think that way. I, I need to be honest with you. I, I have never thought about my height and worried about it. And somebody said, well, that's because you're 6'6". Six, six. Now, I, you know, I read this stat the other day. In fact, it was just this week that people who are 6'3", not 6'2", not 6'4", but people who are like Buddy Flowers. Buddy, stand up. I want you to look at this specimen that, that Vicky gets to be married to. Buddy, you're 6'3", is that right? Okay, you can be seated. Do you know that people who are 6'3", according to research, are the most settled in their height? I'm talking about men in particular. And I guess there's some men who struggle with their height. I, I don't, I've just never had that. But here's my point. What is the Bible saying to us, why do you worry about things you can't change? That, that's the point. And so why are you concerned about this? You see, what concerns you, what worries you may not worry me, but Jesus is trying to give us some common denominators here. You can't, you can't make yourself grow an inch, even if you get on the Adams family stretching board. 
I just went way back, 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 back. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Who's the Adams family? Google it. Okay, so go to askjeeves.com. Now I just went way old school on you. Josh, when he used to ask me questions, he doesn't anymore. Now I ask him questions. When he asked me a question, I go, son, go ask Jeeves. Anyway, remember that, son? We've got some major keys for you today. That was just for my son. Okay, here we go. Back to the word. If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink. He says it again. Nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. He goes on to say, this is Jesus. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Somebody put an amen on that. And I want to just start today by saying this, that Jesus came to give us the kingdom. You know, I grew up in church and I heard that, you know, Jesus came down across for your sins. And I believe that. And by the way, by the time I was nine, y'all, I was born again. But I must confess something. Most of my sinning has happened since then. How about you? How many of you have sinned a few times since you were nine? And yet I was born again at nine, and yet I didn't even know what sin was. But I just knew I needed a Savior. And so a lot of people say, well, Jesus came to die on a cross for my sins. Yes, he did come for that. He came to do miracles. Yes, he did come to do that. He, he came and he rose from the dead. Yes, he did that. We just celebrated Easter, but... Those were all means to an end. Jesus did not come just to die on a cross for your sins. Here's what Jesus said. He told them, he said, the secret of the kingdom has been given to you. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in all towns because this is why I was sent. So the reason Jesus came was not just to die on a cross for my sins. That was a means to an end. The reason Jesus came was not just to do miracles. That was a means to an end. The reason Jesus came was not just to prove that he is the son of God. Although when he rose from the dead, he proved that he was who he says that he was. I am the resurrection and the life. But Jesus came. Here's what he said. I came to give you the good news of the kingdom. So Jesus came to give us the good news of the kingdom, not just freedom from our sin. And again, I grew up in church, and here's what I heard over and over and over, and I heard very little about the kingdom. And yet Jesus himself said, 
Seek first the kingdom of God and God's way of doing things and all these other things will be added unto you. So Jesus came to give us the kingdom. Why is that? I apologize today. I'm a little bit dry. I had to pray for some cold weather. So today is my fault because the pollen count was so high this week. I said, God, okay, since you to come with one swoop, wipe it out. Woke up this morning, 37. Thank you, Lord. I was having all kind of sinusitis, but now in the name of Jesus, the cold has frozen it away. Keep that open and ready to give it to me. Okay. <clears throat> the kingdom, why would he bring us the good news of the kingdom? Because the kingdom solves our number one problem. Our biggest problem. If I were to ask you, what's your biggest problem right now? You would probably, some of you wouldn't take you very long. So I'd say, it's her. <laughs> or more likely, it's him. But, but some of us would be able to identify our biggest problem. But let me tell you something. We all have a common denominator, and it's our biggest problem. It's where all of our worry stems from. It's where all of our fears stem from. It's where all of our doubts stem from. It's where all of our unbeliefs stem from. It's where all of our uncertainty stems from. And guess what it is? It's our biggest problem. You know what it is? We can't control our circumstances. Like if I could control everything, why would I worry? If I could control everything, why would I have any fears? If I could control every circumstance, then why would I ever have anxiety or be anxious about anything. So our biggest problem is the problem that we don't know that's the root of our problem, and that is that we want to control our circumstances, but we can't control our circumstances. And so Jesus said, I came to give you this kingdom, and the good news of the kingdom is this. Beginning with Jesus' birth, think about it. This, this teenage girl, Mary, was visited by an angel, and she said, you've, you've found favor with God, and, and you're going to get pregnant. And God's going to be the one that does it, and it's going to be awesome, and you're going to have a son, and his name is going to be called Jesus, and, and, and the world is going to be saved because of him. He's going to be joy to the world. And her first question, as she got very worried when she heard this supposedly good news, her first question was, how can this be when I've never known a man? See, this is our problem. This is a, again, this is the root of our worry. This is the root of our fear. This is, it's like we, we don't have, like, how is that going to happen? I, I don't know a man. And so here's what the angel of the Lord said. This is before Jesus was even born. With God, all things are possible. So Jesus said, I was sent to give the good news of the kingdom, and it started even before I was born. That with God, say it, all things are possible. What does that do to my circumstances I can't control? What does that do with my biggest problem when I realize that he really is not just, the, not just born of a virgin, but his whole life was him bringing the good news of the kingdom to you and I. And Ernie, Ernesto, I find it so interesting that his first miracle, and I've talked about it recently, was at a wedding. Why is that? If you're married, you know. 
his first miracle was at a wedding. Everybody is going to get married. I'll never forget, Sheila and I were in a nail salon one time. She talked me into getting a pedicure or manicure, whatever one it was. So, we're sitting in there, and there's this girl, and she's so excited. Her whole wedding party is in there. You remember this, Sheila? And she goes, I'm so excited to get married. And I said, are you sure? She goes, yes. And everybody is, aren't they? Guess what happened at this wedding ceremony? Three days into it, they had run out of no, joy. That's what the wine represented. Jesus' first miracle was not just to turn water into wine, but to take man's way of doing things. Six empty pots, six, the number of man. To take man's way of doing things and show him the emptiness of it that when you run out three days into it, Jesus shows up and brings your joy back. It was his first miracle, not to turn water into wine, but to show man that you're going to get empty really quick doing it your way. That's why you need me. That was his first miracle. Then there was all other kind of miracles. There was a man that couldn't see. Jesus restored his sight. There was a man that couldn't walk. Jesus restored his ability to walk. They needed to pay their taxes. Jesus said, go look in a fish's mouth. Down by the water. By the way, you're not even going to have to catch this fish. He'll just be sitting there with gold in his mouth. Jesus was a good dude to be around. But it was way more than just being around him. Watch this. Jesus said, I was sent to bring the good news of the kingdom. In other words, whatever circumstances that you can't control, which is your biggest problem, with man things are impossible, Jesus would go on to say, but with God all things are possible. He came to bring us the good news of the kingdom. But here's the second thing, and this is what I want to talk to you about just for the few minutes that we have left. Jesus didn't come just to give us the good news of the kingdom, but he came to give us the keys of the kingdom. Matthew 16, verse 19 says, I will give you not the keys to the kingdom. No, we're already in the kingdom, but I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now listen, he doesn't say whatever I bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever I loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He says, I've given you the kingdom and now I'm going to give you keys. So bind there in the Greek means lock and loosed means unlock. So I've got a major key alert. God wants to give you some keys. Keys of the kingdom. And today is forward the dream. And so I want to talk to you, first of all, about the key of giving. That God has given us this key of giving that actually works. Have you ever had a key? that you didn't know what it went to. Someone said that the man who doesn't read is like the man who can't read. 
It's the same way for believers who have keys, but they don't know what they go to or how they work. And so, so oftentimes, we don't understand that we can possess a key, but it has no power in our life if we don't know it and if we don't know how to use it. So on the count of three, I want everybody to participate in this. I want you to talk back to me. Without fear of judgment, without fear of what somebody might think about you, I want you to let it verbally come out of your mouth. Even if off the top of your head you say, it really doesn't matter to me. I want you to get real clear because I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I want everybody to say out loud, the car of your dreams. Any kind of car that you want, it doesn't matter how much money it costs. I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I want you to say it out loud. It might be an F-150. I don't care if that's as low as your dream is. But when I count to three, out loud, say what kind of car you want. One, two, three. Okay, now listen to this. It wouldn't do any good to have that car if you didn't have the key. Have you ever lost the keys to your car? Isn't that a bummer? You might own the car. It might be the nicest car in the universe. You lose the key. You ain't going anywhere. Doesn't that seem so simple? That's how the kingdom of God is. We're in the kingdom. We're believers. He says, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom, but we don't either know about the key or we don't use the key. If you got the key and you got the car, would you please enjoy it? If you've got the kingdom and the keys, would you please enjoy it? Come on, would you please enjoy it? And that's what we're talking about here today. This is a pillar thought process. Let me give you a few thoughts and then read some scripture. God is looking for people who will be a funnel that he can give himself through. Are you the kind of person that God can funnel his love through? Are you the kind of person that God can funnel his seed through? Are you the kind of person that can funnel his blessing through? Are you the kind of person that can funnel his forgiveness through? Are you the kind of person that can funnel what God wants to bring to you because anything that God brings to you, he wants to get it through you. Now, let me just tell you something. Is there anybody here besides me that's ever been given, I'm just going to say, a car? Let me just see your hands. Okay. Now, that's a lot of people. Y'all keep your hands up for a minute. Who's been given a car here? Wow, that's hundreds of you. Okay, let me give you some good news and some bad news. Whatever you've been freely given and whatever you've freely received, you're supposed to give. So whatever you've been given in life is a picture of what you're supposed to give other people. Not just, look what the Lord has done. He did this for me. He did that for me. He, 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 he set me free. I'm going to praise. Now listen. Whatever I have freely received, he says, that's what I want you to be the kind of person that I can funnel blessing through. So just kind of just, 
Just in your mind. What is it that you've received? What is it that you've been blessed with? You know that part of the responsibility of whatever you've been blessed with is to be a funnel that God, if God did that for you, he can do it through you. So if you haven't given a car away yet, get in your spirit and get in your mind. That's a key to giving. Wow. Now, back to binding and loosing. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom so that whatever, it doesn't say, it doesn't designate what it is. Whatever you bind, whatever you lock on earth has been locked in heaven. And whatever you loose or unlock on earth has already been unlocked in heaven. And it's for you, but you've got to be the one that unlocks it. Malachi 3, verse 10 through 11. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. And he says... Now, prove me in this. I want, you to, I want you to give me a chance to show you I'm God. Okay, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the first dollar of every ten. That's returning to God what's his. That's not even giving yet. That's just me being obedient to return to God what he says is his. In fact, if you go up a few verses before this, it says you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. In other words, God wants you to return to him the first fruit, and then your giving starts after that. That's what Forward the Dream is about. That's why we, we give on strategic weekends every month. We take one weekend. Usually it's the first weekend of the month. This particular month, it's the second weekend, I think. Is this the second weekend of the month? We're doing it on this weekend. But here's what I want to say to you. We're, we're taking a strategic time to exercise and to utilize the key of giving. Why? Because he says, prove me in this. And they put up the next verse. And see if I won't open the windows of heaven over your life. When I give, watch this, on earth, I unlock heaven over my life. But it doesn't just say that. It says, and I'm going to pour out such a blessing on you. I'm prophesying over some of y'all now. That there will not be room enough for you to receive it. Everybody say, bring it on. Bring it on. And God says, use the key. Use the key. You're the one that unlocks it by your giving. But then he goes on to say this. There's even more benefits. When you unlock heaven over your life, I'm also going to rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So that he will not be able to destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in your field. In other words, whatever you do in Jesus' name, it's going to prosper. Because you use the key of giving. You know, you, know, you can be like a lot of skeptical people. I don't believe in that. It won't work for you. Man, I love this Lamborghini. I just don't believe I should have to have a key. I just, I just, I just don't even believe in keys. Do you like that car? Yes. Well, there is a key just for that car. I know, but I don't really believe it. You don't have to believe it. You just never drive the car. That's how a lot of people are in the kingdom of God. Oh, I believe in God. And they've got, they, watch this, they've got the kingdom. They've received Jesus, but they don't realize. He says, oh, there's something else. I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. Luke 6.33 says this, give, watch this now, this is the key, give and watch, it'll be unlocked and be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. Now listen, this is so powerful. This is the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, for with the same measure that you use, whatever that measure is, I'm not going to tell you how much, 
Whatever measure you use, that's what's going to be measured back to you. So the key is you. The key to what you receive in life above beyond what you work for is according to what you give. The Bible says that God gives seed to the, come on, sower. In other words, he doesn't give seed to you because you're a good person. He gives seed to the sower. So it's very important for us to realize that this is one of the most strategic keys that we can access. And I wanted to start with that key because that's the key that God started with us. For God so loved the world that he gave. When we're generous, we're the most like God. When we choose to give, we're unlocking heaven over our life. And Father, I just ask you today in the name of Jesus in this moment to just unlock heaven Open the heavens over these people's lives in the name of Jesus. As they utilize this key, even this weekend on Forward the Dream, God, I pray that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all they could ask or think. Somebody put an amen on that. Some of my favorite people are Chris and Randy Parker. They've been in our church for almost 16 years. And uh, Chris was actually a rocket scientist. I mean, you know, you've always heard that. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. Well, I have a friend that's one. I love to be around smart people. And because uh, when you're not the sharpest knife in the drawer, you need a Josh in your life. Thank you, son. And I'd say, Josh, don't just ask Jeeves, but ask Jeeves for you and me so we both can learn. But the truth is, is that Chris uh, went on to be a great uh, executive level leader uh, in a worldwide company for over 20 years. And in the last several years, God has taken all of, all that he's poured into her. I met Chris and, and her husband, Randy, at a private gym here in Frisco years ago that I was working in to be alone by myself, and I met him because I wasn't alone by myself. So God had a plan, and wow, how God has changed their life. And I just wanted you to watch their story. Watch this. Hi, I'm Randy Parker. And I'm Chris Parker, and this is our ELC story. So rocket scientist is actually where I started my career. It's kind of funny because that guiding missiles is a lot easier than guiding people. <laughs> <laughs> and that led me into the software industry and into the corporate world. And uh, just had a great opportunity learning how people work and, and how to really create cohesive teams. And so that's what's led me into getting to work with people all around the world in, in all different businesses and started right here in this house. It was about four years ago and moving and shaking in life and doing it my way again and thinking we're rocking it. And God said, sometimes you gotta press pause. But what I was learning is how to hear him. And then about March, it was a Wednesday night service and I was sitting in the service, and I remember it was Cy Rogers was here. And he, he made a comment like, you don't have to be a rocket scientist, and I'm laughing. And after that service, Pastor Mark came up to me, and he said, you know, I've really been praying about who's going to lead the leadership team, because we want to go into the Congo. Then he goes, I really feel God put you on my heart. And I said, <laughs> no, he said rocket scientist, it wasn't me. <laughs> and then I looked up and I went, God, you are so funny. And so with that, I went, okay, it makes sense, but 
um, I need to pray about it. <laughs> so we prayed, and he said, you got to go. And I said, why? Because I didn't want to go. You could give me a room full of 8,000 businessmen, and I, I had it. In fact, I, I, I just knew I could even create it. You give me one pastor in a room, and I was very intimidated. And the weight of that responsibility, because I didn't want to do or say anything that did not honor God's word or our house. And so for the next few months, it was a time where I just went and spent every day with God and went in the Word. And I said, okay, then, I'll go, but you you give me the team. You give me the content. It's all yours. And he did about a week before we left. <laughs> and it was an amazing journey that started with the first trip to the Congo. And this last time, we just went to Gulu. And what God showed me in the preparation for that trip is really what missions is all about. It's about being one. Being one fully in alignment with yourself, being one with Him, being one as a couple, being one as a body of Christ. And when we can figure out how to do that, again, back at home and in our own communities, that's what missions is really about. And that's my heart. Well, as my wife has talked about, you know, after seeing her go to the Congo and, and seeing really the, or understanding the experience that she went through, um, quite honestly, I really didn't have any desire to really go to, to do that. You know, because in my mindset is, why are we going halfway around the world when there's things that could be done here and there are needs here? But really at her kind of request, I said, okay, I'll go. And that's, and that's when we went to the Amazon. You know, the thing I found is when you go on a mission trip, it's, you, you think you're going to serve, but many times what you get more out of it for yourself than, than what you're giving. And, and that, seem, that may seem kind of strange because you're going there to give, right? But really the experience of going and understanding, you know, really how God works. And then the opportunity to go to Africa and, and actually lead construction. Well, now you're kind of getting in something that's a little bit more of a, my wheelhouse. It was really about the theme of that community and that ministry was unity. And so the opportunity to go and work with the people there and see, see and, and really be a part of the beginnings of something. You know, we went over there, part of a construction crew, we went over to build a playground. And to get the community involved in that was really what I thought was the best and you know things kind of didn't go like we thought the playground equipment didn't come until we had to left except a very small piece of it because of that we were able to meet the people we were able to greet the people and really i think that god did what he needed to do and the fact that it didn't come in time you saw the community really build it after we left the pastors that were involved in i know the leadership group that chris was involved with those pastors they pulled their people together so I, how better to create a unity and environment than have pastors from different different denominations actually come together and make something happen in their community. So to me, that was exciting because to me, that's really what it was about, was being able to do that, but just to be able to pour in, you know, what little we could and see what greatness God could bring. That we can't make happen. We only were a piece of the puzzle to let God shine. And so when I look back at my life, it's like, 
what is God asking me to do? Can I lead myself to do it? And so I think about back that first mission trip, I, I didn't want to, but it was very clear what I heard. I said, okay, God, I will. And now the beauty of the model is we can start with whatever we have, because that's what's within us. But when we will give whatever God's telling us to give, whether it's time, talent, or treasure, He will bless us with so much more that now we have more to give from. But the have is within us. The giving is so He gets the glory. The giving is so He gets the glory. <laughs> giving is more than something you do. It is somebody you are. Being a giver develops a mentality of prosperity. Because the more you give, the more you receive. It's an, act, it's, an, it's an antidote against scarcity. And every time you give, you overcome a poverty mentality that says, I don't have enough. When you give, we are the most like God. We move ourselves away from needing a miracle to being a miracle worker. It is more blessed to give than receive. Not just because Jesus said so, but because our lives become infallible proofs of God opening the windows of heaven over our lives so that his blessing can flow to others because of our giving. Who doesn't want to have the key of giving? I mean, how powerful is it that we can unlock the windows of heaven over our lives and over the lives of other people through our giving? Then the last thing that I want to share with you today is the key of the word of God. Major key alert. Here we go. Come on, church. The word of God. It's a key. Next week, I'm going to follow up with two more keys, but I want to leave you with this key because I think this is one of the most significant keys of the kingdom that Jesus has given us. I wrote this a few years ago. If you will hear the word and do the word, you'll find that you'll have a word when you most need it. The thought behind this quote is, King David said, your word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. One of the reasons that the word of God is such a key in our lives is because the Bible says that if I'll hide that word in my heart, if I'll get the word of God planted, in the soil of my spirit, on the inside of me, then the Bible says that I become a person that with God's help, I can do the impossible. And therefore, the thing that's my number one biggest problem, the thing that I feel that maybe I don't even think about all the time, but the, the, the reason for my worry, like I said, the reason for my doubt, the reason for my fears is because I can't control all my circumstances. When you hear cancer, when you hear you're fired, when you hear they did away with your position, when you hear this doesn't work for me anymore, all those things bring anxiety. All those things bring fear. All those things cause worry. Because why? There's two realities in your life that will never go away. I have the privilege of coaching some CEOs and small business owners. And one of the things that we talk about is what are the controllables and what are the uncontrollables? And so many people live on the uncontrollable side. In other words, they're, 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 
they're governed by uncontrollable fear. They're governed by uncontrollable worry. They're governed by uncontrollable doubt. They're governed by uncontrollable uncertainty. Why is that? Because they don't realize what they can do with what they can control. Let me tell you what you can control. You can control what comes out of your mouth. You can control the kind of attitude that you have. You can't control everything that happens, but you can control what happens inside you. You see, the truth is you can't control what comes out of somebody else, but you can control what comes out of you. And too often times we live on the uncontrollable side of life and we allow what we, what, we, what, we, what we have no control over to supersede what we do have control over. Let me tell you what I do have control over. The Bible says, my faith comes by hearing and my hearing of the Word of God. And when I get the Word of God in me, guess what I'm able to do? I'm able to speak the word over my situation, over my circumstance, over my marriage, over my failure, over my defeat, over my fear. In other words, the word of God trumps everything. So this key of the word of God, David goes, goes on to say this, your word is a lamp unto my feet and it's a light to my path. It's, listen, God never in, intended for you to go through life like this. I was telling somebody today that there's a great story in the Bible about a man named Lot. And he was given so much. And yet it was time for them to leave a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. And God said, don't look back. And when they left that place, Lot's wife looked back and she was turned into a pillar of salt. Jesus would later say, no man having put his hand on the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. What is that, what is that analogy in the word? What is it telling us? In, in scripture, this was an analogy where they would drive a stake at the end of a field. So just picture, you know, 25 or 50 yards. And they would drive a stake and they would have these hand plows. And sometimes they would be pushed by hand or sometimes they would be, you know, animal drawn ox or, or horses or donkeys. And so they would keep their eye on the stake at the end of the field so that the plow would go in a straight row. But no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Why? Because once you put your hands on the plow of marriage, if you look back, it's going to mess it up. If you put your hand on the plow of your business and you look back, it's going to mess it up. If you put your hand on the plow of anything in life, God says, I want you to go forward and never go backward. Don't live in reverse. This is our year, church, to move forward. We're moving forward. This is what the Word of God empowers us to do because He says, my Word will be the key that is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. I don't know which way I'm supposed to go right now. I'm just confused. I'm worried. I'm full of fear. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light into my path. One thing, when I don't know what to do, let me tell you what I never do. Forget those things that are behind reach for those things that lie ahead. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Remember not the former things, Isaiah 43 says, neither consider the things of old. I'm speaking to somebody today. I haven't said this in any other service. For behold, I will do a new thing. 
and now it shall spring forth. And then right in the middle of Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19, it says, shall you not know it? There's going to be some people that they don't even know that God's trying to do a new thing because they're so focused on what happened yesterday or what happened. in the God can't do a new thing when you're focused on the old thing. Somebody needs to get that in your spirit right now. For behold, I will do a new thing and now it shall spring forth. I will make a way in your wilderness. I'll bring rivers into your desert. And I'm telling you, this is the word of God because some of you are in a wilderness right now. You're consternated. You're worried about it. I prophesy starting today that God is going to make a way in your wilderness. Some of you are in a desert. God's bringing his water, the water of his word into your desert in the name of Jesus. Come on, just receive that right now. Say, I believe that. I receive the word. Now listen to this. When you plant the Word of God in your heart, it is a supernatural seed planted in the soil of your spirit. It illuminates from the inside out to give clarity when I need direction and perspective to my process. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever, David said. When you hear the Word, your faith is elevated to do the Word. As you daily do the word, the ways of the word will become instinctive in your life. When the word becomes instinctive in your daily modus operandi, you will have the word you need when you need it. And some of y'all just got your word right then. Come on, put a hand clap on that. Two things that I'm going to pray for you. First of all, David said this in Psalm 119, verse 162. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Some of us allow the treasure to sit on the shelf. Some of us allow the treasure to remain unopened on our Bible app on our phone. God, your word is my treasure. That's what I need. Your word is the lamp in my darkness. Your word is the light in my chaos. Your word is the thing that keeps me from missing the mark. God, your word is a treasure. And then I love this in Psalms 107. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say so about what? That God sent his word and it healed them. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I'm releasing the word. And if you need healing in your body, in the name of Jesus, I speak healing over your body. If you need healing in your finances, I speak healing in the name of Jesus. If you need healing in your soul and in your emotions, I speak healing in the name of Jesus. I'm speaking the seed of the word over your life right now. And in the name of Jesus, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the word. Why? Because we have the key. And the key is we're speaking the word. And when you speak the word, You speak those things that are not as though they were. You don't speak about the past. You don't speak about your problem. You don't speak about your fear. You don't speak about your worry. You speak by faith based on the Word of God that God has a great future for you. He has a great hope for you. Your best days hadn't been lived yet. It doesn't matter what the doctor said. He's got to tell the only thing he knows. But what we know is that there's one thing that trumps every doctor's word. There's one thing that trumps every word that you're saying to yourself and it's the word of God it's the key the key that we've been given thanks for listening to this week's podcast make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's book Your Divine Fingerprint and visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church